before I get started today, I want to ask a favor. As you listen, if you like what you hear, please sit down and write a review. If you want to discuss anything from this episode or any other, you can reach out on the Strive, Seek, Find page on Facebook or to at Chance Whitmore 5 on Twitter. Thanks. In Return of the Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi tells Luke Skywalker, What I told you was true from a certain point of view. When I was nine or ten, that made a certain kind of sense. Now I want to scream, No, Obi-Wan, you lying sack of crap. You were lying. Own it. Hell, you're dead. It's not like he could even do more than glower at your ghost. Welcome to the Strive, Seek, Find podcast. I'm Chance Whitmore. On some level, it'd be nice if truth was capital T, truth, rather than something we need to dig to discover. And with the 24-hour news cycle, which is more interested in being first and interesting rather than accurate, social media, speaking of interesting over accurate, speaking of easy spreading, and let's not forget bot accounts. And it's very evident that being credulous has become extremely dangerous, not for just you, but for those around you. And while there are more ways to create and spread misinformation, fake news, and propaganda than I can count at this point, I'm going to do something that I've been wanting to do since before I thought of this podcast. Start the discussion. In this case, begin digging into the very beginnings of the subject of doublespeak. For no other reason than the words that we're surrounded by have been weaponized against thinking. And it's only by looking seriously at it that we can fix it. And to be clear, this is most likely the beginning of a series. Now let's get started with a nod to Lusk and Orwell, the two men whose work led me into this. Now, doublespeak can be defined simply as language that's used to deceive through concealment and misrepresentation of the truth, or an incongruity between what is said and what is left unsaid. One example, when someone lies or misrepresents facts, They say they're using alternative facts. Another example, shabby chic equals old and worn when we're being clear. Example, enhanced interrogation techniques. In its most basic terms, torture. So Obi-Wan could be said to have been using alternative facts when he said, Vader betrayed and murdered Anakin Skywalker. Though, I'm not sure how a certain point of view corrects uh, jumping over someone, cutting their legs off, and uh, letting them slide into lava. That seems to remove all responsibility from you. But like I said, alternative facts. On the surface, this may seem harmless. Putting lipstick on the pig... Being kind, being indirect, and most of the above examples could be described as one or more of the things in the right context. 
And personally, I'd love to use those descriptors and say, critical thinking will carry us through as a species. But there are too many of our own hangups and too many problems in our own psychology and biology that will prevent this from happening. And here, for example, is a huge part of how our brain works. Let's start out with belief persistence. And it's simply every human's ability to hold on to what they think they know, even when provided with compelling evidence to the contrary. And think how often you see that on your social media accounts. That wonderful meme that matches exactly what you've been trying to say that you don't bother to fact check because it confirms your own biases. Or perhaps more accurately, when someone provides you with good data to show you that a point of view needs to be questioned and you hold on to your previous point for no other reason than you believe it's correct. Most of us like to think of ourselves as logical people. But we tend only to be logical when the facts confirm our worldview. In other words, we tend to cling to our worldview like some silken blankie protecting us from the darkness. Next up from our brain comes cognitive dissonance. The ability to hold contradictory beliefs at the same time. A handy tool when trying to separate the difference between your stated beliefs and your actions. In other words, justification. Simple self-deception in order to make it possible to feel like a good person, even though you haven't lived up to your beliefs. For instance, you steal a pack of gum, but you believe only bad people steal, so you either mentally justify the theft because you're not a bad person, or get angry at the store for making it so easy. Either way, you let yourself off the hook, and you're secure in your belief that you're not bad. Either way you win, you have the item, and you have either subconsciously or consciously worked through a process to allow yourself to still believe you're good. Win-win. The last thing I wanted to mention in regards to this It's not just brain function, but how the brain functions and interacts with the rest of the world. In this case, it's the statement that words are symbols rather than the thing. And that seems evident, but we all treat it like there's a one-to-one relationship, or at least we do at times. The problem is that it's since it's a symbol, like most symbols, it leaves it open for all sorts of interpretation or restatement. Think for a second about symbols that are near and dear to your heart. Do they have the same meaning and representation to someone else, someone who's never been through it? But for a really simple yet really accurate example, we can come to my house. Something as simple as identifying the color of a button-up dress shirt. What I might say is red, as in, hey, could you hand me my red shirt, might lead to a discussion, as my wife may describe it as crimson or burgundy 
or something else I can't even begin to describe, and then explain why it might not match with the tie I have selected, and then she does a much better job of matching it. What I had attempted to make simple, she had other references for, and used them because they made sense in her mind. Nothing wrong with that. Different processing. This can lead to certain issues as people who set out to define the terms either intentionally or by mistake color the situation with their perception. In other words, they steer your reality to be closer to theirs. But when this is done intentionally, it's usually done to create instantaneous, unthinking reactions. In the hands of a skilled speaker or propagandist, or a great meme creator in some cases, it can be used to move people to strong opinions or actions, and can be the basis for everything from brand loyalty to accepting the opinions of a talking head as gospel. All this is to say, language is complex, and the way your brain interacts and interprets the reality around you is even more so. We don't understand it all. And we're barely beginning to scratch the surface. So I'm going to come back around to this topic later. As I'm recording tonight, I'm thinking about the David Lynch version of Dune. A flat-out weird movie that doesn't really represent the book. But there's a great line that comes from both the book and the movie. I remember it from the movie because that's where I saw it first where Baron Harkonnen makes the comment that he who controls the spice controls the universe. And tonight that translates for me to they who control language in a basic sense control reality. Down the road a few weeks when I'm ready for part two of this excursion into barely tap, tap, tapping on the edges of doublespeak, We'll deal with the types of doublespeak and how they affect politics. Shoutouts. More than a couple of shoutouts this week. A whole bunch of reviews came in, and I want to th- say thank you to everyone. First to Mike coming to the Running Educator podcast for his review of last week's episode. Thanks, buddy. Ray, not before coffee, for the same. And Kyle an old friend, for his kind words about subculture cannibalism. Thanks to you all for that great kindness. It's much appreciated. Also, if you have the opportunity, the t-shirt from last month's drawing finally came in. Head over to the Facebook page and take a look. Worth mentioning. Today, worth mentioning is an old favorite of mine. George Orwell's Politics in the English Language, Orwell is pointing out why language is in, in his words, a bad way, and in a very pointed way provides both examples and rules to make it work better. It's a direct and academic read, but if you're fascinated by how language works, it's an amazing primer. And that makes it worth mentioning. I posted a copy of the essay on the Strive, Seek, Find page on Facebook. That's it for this week's episode of Strive, Seek, Find. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review. It really helps. If you have feedback or ideas, please reach out on the Strive, Seek, Find page on Facebook or to at ChanceWhitmore5 on Twitter. Until next time, keep seeking your own brilliant future. Have a great week.